It's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids. But I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-age kids. I'm Danita Bailey. <coughs> STEM refers to science, technology, engineering, and math. And increasingly, our, work, our current workforce, and definitely the workforce of the future, will require the skills of STEM education and that STEM education provides. Schools have recognized this and have been working to incorporate STEM curriculum to prepare students to be more competitive. Unfortunately, women and underrepresented minorities have historically been discouraged from choosing these fields. Yesterday, I watched a TED Talk given by a black female engineer who called herself an accidental engineer. She had not been encouraged to pursue a STEM field and by chance found an interest when she took a course in college. She only stumbled upon a passion that ended up changing her life. Although schools are working to place more emphasis on STEM, what can we as parents do to foster a STEM identity in our children and expose them to possible careers? What can we do to help our kids discover their passion in STEM early and avoid accidental engineers, computer scientists, and radiologists? Today, we'll talk to two people. We have two guests today. We'll talk to um, Greg Connolly, who is a teacher in Mansfield Independent School District. And we'll also talk to Dr. Mary Payton, who is a retired Emmy Army chemical officer, STEM educator, author, and host of the radio show All About STEM on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Before we go any further, let me just say, it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag school days and hashtag I am school days. And also, we want you to be a part of the show. So if you're live on Facebook with us, you can drop us a question there. So without any further ado, let me introduce my first guest. Gregory, Gregory Stan Connolly Jr. was born and raised in the Midwestern region of the US and now resides with his wife and children in Midlothian, Texas. As an author, professional educator of nearly two decades, and a decorated military veteran in the, in the medical and me mental health fields, he's fueled by an unquenchable passion, I like that, mm -hmm. an unquenchable passion <laughs> for all to experience life in meaningful ways. And he has pioneered Mansfield Independent School District's first middle school Mechatronics, yes. Mechatronics course, mm -hmm. and seeks to enrich all curriculum and globalization, rigor, differentiation, and creativity. You're making me do some uh, <laughs> <laughs> some thinking today. Right. So anyway, thank you so much for it's joining good to be us. Here. Thank yes. you. Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit. So I know I visited your school, right? And um, your school is very unique. It's in uh, the Mansfield Independent School District, sure. and mm -hmm. it's called Jerry Knight STEM Academy. Right. And I was very impressed. 
Um, tell us a little bit about your school, and mm -hmm. they don't call you guys teachers. What do they call we, you? They call us designers. Designers. Uh, okay. And the primary purpose behind that is that we want students to learn how to develop their own solutions. And so often teachers are looked at, viewed traditionally as lecturers, and we want to sort of push past that traditional setting of being only lecturers. Of course, there are times when teachers have to lecture, but uh, we want students to be researchers, we want them to be scientists, mm -hmm. uh, and we want to provide them the tools and resources by which they can do that. Okay, mm -hmm. and how is, how is your school set up? It's not any way like a <laughs> traditional school. Wow, there's so many different things. So as a teacher, <clears throat> this is probably the first position I've been at where I felt like I've had complete autonomy to run my class the way that I really want to. Mm -hmm. uh, our administrator who indoctrinates us constantly into uh, sort of STEM curriculum uh, really wants us to <clears throat> be able to uh, push the boundaries as far as innovation to be cutting edge. And so we have, for example, <coughs> excuse me, clubs like audio engineering, clubs like Makerspace. Um, we, I teach mechanical engineering and mechatronics and STEM careers as a focus. Uh, and uh, primarily a lot of our uh, curriculum is around students in pro problem-based and project-based learning. Uh, we do a lot of things with trying to get students familiar with real-world problems mm -hmm. in real situations. Uh, because when we go to high schools and we ask them, well, how can we prepare these students to be better and more prepared? They'll say, students really don't know technology well and they don't know how to work in groups. Mm -hmm. and so. Those are the two things that we're really trying to push. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how STEM, STEM is implemented. STEM is a buzzword that we're hearing a whole lot about right. now. Right. And it's implemented differently. So your mm -hmm. school is very, very different. It's project-based mm -hmm. learning. Right. When you walk in, there are um, just different places for them to, right. they're kind of spread out sure. and they're working in projects and things right. like that. So that's not the, your typical no, school. So no, no. what, how are other schools implementing STEM education? Well, so the two things that come to my mind when we talk about STEM is that it's interdisciplinary. It's not isolated. Mm -hmm. And so when, as an example, uh, I used to teach math in other areas, my students would say, Mr. Conley, why are we doing more labs in math than we're doing in science? Well, it's because you really can't isolate math if you really want to give students that exposure to how math is used in the real world. Mm -hmm. It's connected to science, it's connected to engineering, it's connected to technology, and so uh, we try to implement that. And then that requires us sometimes not to have walls, not to only work in rooms, to have students in collaborative areas, uh, and to implement really the four C's where we talk about communication, collaboration, uh, critical thinking, and creativity. Okay, mm -hmm. so I could have used a teacher like you because <laughs> I felt scared of math, right. and I oftentimes would ask, okay, so how am I going to be using this? What does <laughs> this have to do with anything? That's exactly the question that we want students to ask. I was really good at math, but I would always ask the question, why? What's the point? And when 
I was not given context of how and when and where this is going to be used, and it was really confusing, a little bit demotivational, and that's mm -hmm. probably why we get a lot of those numbers as far as females and minorities going down that STEM pipeline that's not staying in it um, because uh, I'm not going to speak to what people need, but I think most of us need a rationale yeah. for am I just going to solve three problems and I can solve them well and you want me to solve 25 more the <laughs> same way or are you going to help me to see? And that, that was my experience in many of my math classes, right? And probably a lot of people can relate to something like that, but um, are you going to help me to see how this is used in maybe careers going down the road or um, how I can use it in other ways? Right, and it's so, if you can give them um, a kind of a realistic understanding right. of why this even matters, then you, <coughs> you, you get them to engage more. Right. Because they're not like, well, this is just a useless exercise. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> because a lot of the careers that are available today won't be the careers that are available in 20 years. Mm. And so uh, it's important to uh, touch, not only touch on students' interest, I think, as a teacher. I, I always wanted to be the teacher that I didn't have or yeah. the teacher that I wanted. And I think anyone in any profession can take on sort of that role and mentality. Be the person that you wanted. Uh, but uh, if we expose them to real world situations, things that relate to them and, and find ways to use those resources to get them to understand how they apply to their lives, then they're going to have those tools for things that we're not even learning right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but those, those main tools, real world problem solving, creativity, collaboration, uh, critical thinking, things of that nature. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so your school is set up again, you know, with a lot of project-based learning, right. a lot of independent mm -hmm. learning. And sure. What are some of the characteristics of kids that will wow. flourish Great. in a school like yours? Because it's not just every kid sure. that should go right. to an actual STEM academy like sure. yours. Right. Well, uh, there's a lot of things actually. The ones that come to my mind at the forefront are students who are inquisitive, students who are curious, but more than anything else, students who are willing to grow. Uh, I can't say that this would have been the ideal situation for me in sixth grade, because I really wasn't there. Mm -hmm. My wife, on the other hand, probably would have loved this, right? And so uh, it, it, it really comes down to, um, am I willing to grow and learn new things? I think what happens sometimes when students who are really bright, because we have a lot of those students at our school, <coughs> um, they uh, are normally the one of the brightest people at their former schools, mm. and they come with a mentality that I kind of know everything. And so we have to sort of teach them how to fail, if that makes any sense. No, that makes because that's, sense. Because that's the real world, and a lot of them aren't used to failing. Um, I had some students the other day, I uh, had a student just email me, I got a 95 out of a 100, well why is this, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. My wife, <laughs> my wife used to say she used to cry when she came home with bees, right? Uh, but I feel like that's sort of unfair for students. Yeah. Uh, I think we should, I think they should grow up in an environment and we should push them. If, I, if a student's not being challenged enough, I think it's up to us to challenge them more mm -hmm. so that they, 
they can fail because failure can be a good thing. It can yeah. teach them. And then, uh, especially in groups, a lot of times, um, students feel like they have the best idea and they have to learn that other people have some great ideas too. And if they grow up in an environment where they're always getting A's, where they're always the person coming up with the solutions, uh, where there's little collaboration, then we teach them not to be good collaborators. We mm. teach them not, we teach them a little bit to be arrogant um, and to not realize that there's a plethora of knowledge. Smart and intelligent people come from all communities, from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what we sort of want, that's what we expose them to through our project-based learning. A lot. Of, it's, it's the first time a lot of our students fail which is so good. It's so good. We did an entire <laughs> right. episode on okay. helping your child fail well. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. And then they pick up the pieces and they realize, wow, I don't know everything. Uh -huh. And there's a lot that I don't know and I can learn from other people. And that's, how, that's when I believe even as adults, we're open to new solutions and maybe innovative ways of looking at things from different perspectives that we had never even thought of considering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are a lot of the kids that attend your school gifted and talented? Because just kind of some of the mm -hmm. um, characteristics of GT kids mm -hmm. are that they they're very experimental. They mm -hmm. want to find the answers. They're not <laughs> real interested necessarily in impressing people as much as they are right. in finding the answers to solutions. So, do you have? D is it only for GT students, or do you just? Um, can anybody come? Right. Well, so the uh, application process, Mansfield Independent School District, it's it's a pretty diverse school district, more div diverse than I thought uh, when I actually looked at the numbers. Mm -hmm. I think it's something like 31% Caucasian. There's uh, maybe 30% African American. I think like 28 point or maybe 24 point Hispanic Latino and mm -hmm. then uh, other racial, it, it's extremely diverse and I had no clue until I actually looked at the numbers mm -hmm. but because our application process is such that uh, we accept applications from all over the district and they're randomly selected uh, then the makeup of our school is very similar where uh, the majority of our students are racial minorities uh, but it still reflects that diversity of a lot of different groups, religions, cultures from different communities within Mansfield. And so I guess my point is that um, if I remember your original question, uh, how they how they work with each other. Right. <laughs> so there's GT students. There's GT students in every community. And when they come together, I think there's a benefit in a lot of them. I feel like felt like outcasts somewhat. Mm -hmm. uh, but when they came here, they uh, felt like, oh, this is, I'm with my people, right. so to speak. Uh, and so it doesn't matter. I think problems are more with adults when it comes to um, cultural, sometimes issues, less than with students. They'll come together. They may be influenced by their parents, but when they come together and then they start to work with folks and... It, it just the guards are let down and it becomes a, a community mm -hmm. right, like mm -hmm. it should be mm -hmm. a, a tribe a village <coughs> <coughs> I keep hearing the word maker 
Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty old. I think maybe <laughs> right. I'm it, right, isn't it? Like probably ten years old, <laughs> or probably longer strong. than that. But <laughs> it's new to me. Right. Um, so tell me what a maker is mm-hmm. and who, who right. or what they are and what they do. Right. So we have a lot of maker labs, just to use a word, a phrase to extend that, and. It's essentially anyone that uses resources, tools, technology to create. I mean, it, there's really, it's really a, simp- a simple way of saying, taking our creativity and uh, putting it into a product, a, a creative product. And so, boy, we have a maker elective. I think for seventh and eighth grade, most of the students are females. We, we use really? things like drills and band saws and they create things uh, that the instructor helps them to decide on, well, why are you creating this? What's the purpose behind it? What's the reason? Uh, I mentioned audio engineering. Uh, I, I'm familiar with the things that I do. There's so many. And, uh, you know, there's mechanical engineering. There's STEM careers. We have a, uh, a film sort of production club and... We want students to follow their passions. What are you passionate about? And then make or create something um, that's related to that passion. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a Montessori approach to education. Mm -hmm. But it's really good because, I mean, how motivated are we when we, even as adults, who some of us are still figuring out what we want to do, but when we... Uh, know what direction we want to go we're driven by it and so that's what that's what we want to do with the students we want them to find their passion and then use that as a motivator to drive their education Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask you this at the beginning but I'd love to know kind of how you ended up where you are okay not just at the school but as a STEM educator Wow. So truth be told I had no idea what I wanted to do after high school (laughs) Uh, But when I thought about it a lot, that was a role that I found myself naturally in, in teaching. And uh, my thing was always, I want to be the teacher that I I wanted, or I I wanted to be the teacher, yeah, that I wanted. And so there are so many classes. All right, truth be told, I'm a preacher's kid. Oh, (laughs) and 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 I sat through many... Bible classes and lectures. Now, my, my parents, God bless them, they were, they were wonderful, you know, but um, I'm not always around my parents. My parents don't always teach the class, right? And uh, I, I would find people who had become content in their growth, complacent, I should use that word. And we're looking to extend beyond complacency. And, and I figured I want to be in education because... I had too many educators who I felt like became complacent Mm -hmm. and I want to give those students that chance to not settle for um, this is how I've been taught this is how the person before me taught me and as far back as we can go but you know there are some similarities and things that work that are age-old and proven and there are things that are new that can help especially in technology and so uh, I just I always pushed myself as a teacher, and I, I like to push myself as a as a student. And my career pathway just sort of winded here uh, because it's what I naturally did. Uh, I wanted to not just settle for open up your book, turn to page mm-hmm. three hundred, do the worksheets, 
you know, but it let's do like a lap. seems like you would die on the vine. Oh, now. my you gosh, just, I have. <laughs> I have been murdered a many times <laughs> in those classrooms. And so I said, that is not something that I, that is not the kind of teacher that I want to be. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. You wanted to be somebody that would inspire right. students. Right. Yeah. So often we go to school and it is exactly like that. Gosh, right. I had a teacher. Oof. He was a coach. We all have had him. <laughs> every and last single one of them. He would yeah. every single day okay. sit and read the newspaper. Is see and say, open up your book. Unbelievable. And then do the questions in the back Unbelievable. of the chapter. Unbelievable. Every single day. Sure. And then there were those teachers who you remember the names of. Uh, you, you do. <laughs> Miss Popplewell, eighth grade. You know. <laughs> I mean, she was a good teacher. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and yeah. she, I loved social studies because of her. Mm. I mean, she got us into that, and I almost wanted to become a politician because of her. Uh, Do you understand? I mean, yeah. like, those are the teachers that inspire us, and so there's always, there's always someone or multiple folks, so I, I hear what you're saying. What you're saying, rather, hear where you're coming from. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you for being one Absolutely. of those teachers. Oh, and for sure. Keep on inspiring um, our youth and keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on being Absolutely. you. They inspire me. Thank yeah. you for having a program like this. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. You know, I, I'm going to start listening to it. You, <laughs> thank you. And tell other people about it. I will. I will. <laughs> I will definitely make a pitch. <laughs> but thank you. I really do appreciate you okay. being here okay. and I appreciate you being the kind of teacher that you are that cares sure. and wants to inspire kids and mm-hmm. and bring out the best in them. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. We are going to take a quick break and things aren't the way that they normally are. Normally we just keep going, but we're going to take a quick break and we're going to do a little switcheroo and we're going to bring on uh, Dr. Mary Payton when uh, we return from the break. She is a STEM educator and she's the host of All About STEM Radio on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Stay tuned. Hey, I'm Danita. And hi, I'm David. Catch our show, School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. Look, we've been married for 14 years and have three school-aged children. We both work in the field of education. We have the same struggles helping our kids academically just like any other parent. So we want to share what we've learned and invite experts to share with us so we can all learn together. Join us Tuesdays from 11 to noon in the Blue Bowl. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in. Welcome back. You're listening to School Days to Help for Moms and Dads of School-Aged Kids. Today we're joined by Dr. Mary Payton. She is a retired Army chemical officer and STEM educator. She has taught throughout the United States and internationally in South Korea and the United Arab Emirates. She is also the author of Taylor's STEM Adventures, a children's book series focused on the STEM travels of a military child. She holds a BA in biology slash PE from the UTA and um, M.Ed. from Texas Children's University. No, Texas Christian. Oh, right. That, <laughs> Where did children go from? I don't know. Just it's made that all up. Um, she has a <laughs> Master's of Communication and Instruction from UTA and a Doctorate of Education from Nova SE University. Dr. Mary Payton is a native Texan who has returned to spend time with her sons, Taylor and Aaron. So yes. thanks for joining us. Hi. And just a little back information. Yes. Um, she is my godmama of radio. <laughs> 
<laughs> she, uh, Mary, actually, is the uh, reason why we're in radio. Because what she did was she asked David and myself to be on her show. This time last year. This time last year. This is probably the anniversary of it that is. show. Right? Mm -hmm. Or was it in January? No, it was no, in it's December. It's, it's this week. Yeah. And so afterwards, we ran into Sammy, who's the station owner, uh, in the hallway. And she said, you and David should totally do a show. And I was like, uh, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and look at where you are. <laughs> <laughs> look at where right. So anyway, I'm so glad you were able to join us. Okay. Okay. Well, um, can you tell me what your exposure was to STEM growing up? My journey through STEM was, you have to understand, it was um, through the 60s, from the 60s and up. Mm -hmm. um, back then, they didn't call it STEM. When you, we looked right. at people being in what we now call STEM fields, they were doctors and nurses and engineers. Uh, what we didn't look at are those people that were biologists, physicists, chemists, and so on and so forth. Those were just people who had jobs. Now, my experience came through my, my family. Um, my mother taught us canning, which is pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we did, as uh, you spoke with your earlier uh, guest makers, we made quilts. Uh, we grew vegetables, which is all, of, all things about STEM. We were very environmentally, environmentally conscious family. And I had a stepfather who always allowed me to work on uh, cars with him and let me build things with him. Mm -hmm. So back then, it really wasn't called STEM. Right. It was just being able to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as I went to school, I started putting those things into, into context. Wait a minute. When you do canning, we're looking at you know pressure and uh, when you heat something up and then cool it down and causing a vacuum. I knew what the concept was, but I didn't know what the name of the concept was back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why I think it's important at home. And, you know, growing up and when I went to high school, I uh, had an outstanding biology teacher who allowed us to do things in biology, uh, dissections, and he didn't teach us just, okay, this is the lecture, but this is why you have to do it. Right. And so getting that opportunity and that hands-on experience in the 70s was like, wow, I can actually do things in, in this field. Mm -hmm. And so that was my background in biology. But the people say, wait a minute, you, you're PE, physical education. You have to understand everything about you is science. Mm. From being able to see, to being able to hear, to being able to talk, to being able to breathe, to being able to eat, your whole body is a cheat sheet and I tell people that all the time and I, you know when I used to teach biology I used to see kids do like the weirdest things okay pointed things on them when they were taking my test because it's all STEM. It is all STEM that's very true so how did you end up in the military? Uh, I love to travel. Ah yes you do. <laughs> <laughs> And I love to do it on somebody else's dime. Oh, no, no that's right. <laughs> and so um, my brother was in the military at the time, and he always talked about all the places, you know, he would come home with his stories from being in Alaska or Korea uh, or different parts of the United States. And I'm like, I want to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I enlisted. I started out as an enlisted um, soldier. 
uh, working in the dental field, which is the field that um, I was certified in uh, from going to Trimble Tech High School in Fort Worth because it was uh, tech was a technical school. Now they call them STEM schools, mm -hmm. but um, um, that's what I did. And I challenged myself because people kept saying, you already have a degree, why aren't you an officer? I never knew what officers was. I never knew what the pathway was. So I um, went back to school, got my master's in education from TCU, um, and um, became an officer. But the only officer I wanted to be was a chemical officer because that was what I loved. And so I was first select as being a chemical officer. I was the first African-American officer commissioned at TCU in Army ROTC. Wow. So, you know, it's, I have a few firsts under my belt. <laughs> I bet you do. Now, I have no idea what a chemical officer is. A chemical officer is nuclear, biological, physical science officers. We deal with like nuclear physics, health physics, uh, how biological agents uh, will affect the body, how to uh, deter you from becoming affected, chemical safety, radiation safety. My background in instruction for the military uh, when I did teach for them, other than just doing my uh, my my uh, my job, was as a uh, rad instructor, uh, which means what? you mean like the little thing with the nose and the whiskers, rat, rad radiation, rad okay, rad. radiation, gotcha. radiology, <laughs> rad, it's like a rat instructor. Rad. Okay, sorry, rad <laughs> uh, radiation, radiation safety, and health physics. And so, I mean, I was that person. I could get on the phone and call for two helicopters to land wherever I felt like I needed them to land, basically on Fort McClellan, to take up my students. And I worked with live radiation uh, on a daily basis and putting out radiation fields so that my students could uh, detect them, uh, running radiation labs for the uh, Department of Defense um, and the government. And then I, luckily I got to go on the biological side and became the operations officer for the uh, only chemical defense training facility in the world. And uh, that was a lot of fun because you worked with nerve agents every day. And you suited out and you, you either put them together or you train people from around the world to use them. I bet you experienced a little bit of pushback. Um, oh, yes. Because you're a woman in this field and you're a black woman in this field. Oh, yes. And um, both are not, um, were not, definitely not when you started, um, normal. And as we said in the beginning, it's you know still something that minorities underrepresented, not minorities and women um, are not pushed towards. So just tell me a little bit about how you know the history of girls in STEM and and um, what your experience has been. Um, let's start with UTA. I um, because of my background in science and in uh, athletics uh, at UTA, women weren't not in sports. They weren't not. They in were sports. not in sports. Okay, gotcha. because that being a coach was a male thing. Right. Um, women did not get coaching certifications because, oh, you're just a PE teacher. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I had to commission at UTA. I had to go and fight for the, the, the 
uh, ability to go through the coaching curriculum. And so again, another what year first. Was this? Uh, 70, 79. Okay. And so I was the first. But when you're in class, in science classes or athletic classes, a lot of times I would be one of the only or one of very few female mm -hmm. in, in those areas. Now, when it came to being in the military, uh, basically it was like when I first went to my chemical officer basic course, I was told minorities and females normally fail because of the mathematics within the course. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, didn't pay it any attention. And, you know, graduated the course, you know, one of the top students within the top 5%. But on the other hand, when I went back to the school for my officer advanced course, I said, I'm your new RAD instructor. And this was before I even started the cor my advanced course and I got thrown out of the colonel's office. He's, he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I left, went through the course, graduated uh, again in the top of the class. And he's like, uh, you're my new RAD instructor. And I'm like, okay. He goes, but we need to uh, frock you and frock means they give you the rank but they don't give you the pay because I was oh. a lieutenant we want to frock you to captain because we don't have lieutenants teaching these courses because you know that you're not supposed to know anything and I said if you're not gonna give me the pay I'm not gonna teach the course All right now. so they let it go they let me teach the course and uh, so that was my my first step into starting to write for the Department of Defense. So I have seven books in nuclear physics that I've written for, the, for training for the Department of Defense. And, um, you know, it's, it was just normal for me mm -hmm. because I was always told you can do whatever you want to do, you just have to work at it. That's right. So. All right, have you ever seen the, the show Mixed-ish? Yes. Yes. Did you see the episode where Rainbow uh, was really interested in science, but she noticed that all the girls in the class were trying to get bad grades in science because the boys were watching and it wasn't popular? I guess you didn't see that. I haven't episode. seen that one yet because yeah. I just started watching. That, 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 uh, when I was preparing for the show, that made me think about this, that the boys were watching them and so the girls were trying yeah. to pretend like they weren't very good in science because it wasn't cool to be a girl that was brainy and a girl, and we know later that uh, Rainbow turned out to be a doctor, mm -hmm. but um, that's, I just thought that was interesting, and, um, and I know that you have experienced a lot of But I wasn't gender. brainy, I was just well, persistent. I'm a child of special education. Uh-huh. Okay, the look on your face is priceless right well, now. Well, because you just said a lot of things <laughs> in the last five, <laughs> ten minutes that I didn't understand, and so I'm thinking you are brainy. No. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> I, I have a little dyslexia and stuff like that. And so growing up in the 60s and going to an all-white school, uh, you know, there were five of us in my school. Mm -hmm. And most of us were placed in special education. Ah. Uh, and you can, you know, look at it a variety of ways. But uh, did that hinder me or help me? It really didn't affect me because I had the type of mother who says there is nothing wrong with you mm -hmm. and I had very very great tutors and support back in the 60s and the 70s that my mother I'm sure paid dearly for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Why do you think there's such a lack of diversity in, in STEM fields? And what what is and what do you think should be done about it? It's because there's a lack of knowledge of what is out there. Like uh, growing up, uh, you know of teachers, you know of lawyers, you know of doctors. Uh, I knew of uh, the Katherine Johnsons and, and so on and so forth and the people who worked at NASA because those were the things that my mother knew about. Those were the things that my mother told us about. Those were the things that you knew about being in Texas. But a lot of people don't know. It's a lack of knowledge. Like um, when I was coming in today, I'm listening because I listen to talk radio. I, I can't stand a lot of music because I listen to it all the time at home. <laughs> but um, you know, right now, looking at cybersecurity, we didn't think that was going to, we never knew that was going to be a feel growing up. Mm. But it's out there. Um, but when you think of cybersecurity, what do you think about? I'm asking you. You're asking me what I think about? Yeah, of cybersecurity. Uh, hacking? Hacking what? Computers. Computers. Yeah. Have you ever thought about now we have the insulin pumps that people have on their arms that they use their phones to? detect their insulin levels. Uh -huh. Do you know those are being hacked now? Hospitals are being hacked. Medical devices are being hacked. MRIs are being hacked. But these are things that were not out there when I was little, but it, you know, these are career fields you don't think about being medical cybersecurity mm -hmm. or being uh, school cybersecurity. Schools have been hacked and lost their entire curriculums. So think about those things. So it's the knowledge of what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, our cars, especially my car, because you know I drive a hybrid. I love my hybrid. <laughs> but you know, because everything in our cars is so technology based, somebody could probably hack our te our cars and shut them down. But yet and still, you know, we all, we have cars with GPS systems in them. Right. So who created that? How does that work? Uh, you know, there are so many jobs out there in STEM fields that we have no knowledge of. So it's <coughs> knowing more. If I had have known more, would I have taken a different turn in my life? Mm -hmm. There's a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, talk about your Home Depot experience. Speaking of jobs that you don't think about in STEM fields, I heard a story about you writing something for Home oh. Depot. Okay, <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, did I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. <laughs> um, I had to take some time off work because I had a son who was a soccer player and tore his knee up mm -hmm. and um, didn't want to live on my savings too much so I had a lady who uh, contacted me about doing some uh, instructional design work for her. And I'm like, okay. And she knew I could do technical instructional design. And so she said, um, I need you to write for like Home Depot and Autodocs and stuff like that. And Autodocs is an engineering firm and it uses software to you know, design buildings and so on and so forth. But um, with Home Depot, I got to write the instruction for them utilizing their uh, drafting and engineering tools that you use to create uh, kitchens and bathrooms and, and stuff like that.
So, you know, people at Home Depot probably would wonder, I would go into Home Depot and kind of measure things and look at things and just, you know, the poor lady, um, she doesn't know I did this. But I would go into Home Depot and actually look at the designs and look at actually how the people were using it. Right. So I could write for the company. So, but, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of stumbled into technical writing. I stumbled it. I stumbled into technical writing really at USAA. Mm. They gave me a a book and told me they wanted to me to for me to revamp all the codes for the automation of their personnel system. And I'm like, "Okay." It was a PeopleSoft program. Uh, it was authorware. And by the time it was said and done, we we're saying 3,200 pages of code. Wow. So, you know, for me, coding is just a language of how you make things speak to each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to ask, do you have to be good in math for most STEM careers? I ask because that's not my strength. <laughs> and. I mentioned probably earlier that math has been kind of scary for me throughout my life and I wish someone had demystified math for me and encouraged me in that. So first of all, the first question is, do you think that you have to be strong in math? And then really the second question is, can anybody become good in math? Okay, so let's do the first question first. Do you have to be strong in math? Mm-hmm. Back in my day, based on what STEM was or was considered, you had to be good at math. You had to understand math. You had to be able to apply math. Uh, now, because of all of the STEM fields or all the things that are in the STEM arena or in, in the STEM umbrella, um, you don't have to be just say perfect in math. You do have to be good at critical thinking and application. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like with you doing this show here, everything you do now or doing today is based on STEM, being able to switch from one camera to the other, being able to make the connection uh, with the outside world using Facebook Live. Uh, All of this is technical. All of this is within the STEM arena. Mm -hmm. And how much, other than having to pay for (laughs) the software, how much math did you use today? probably was thinking about time. I'm always thinking yeah. about time, you know, when I'm getting ready to start the show is and that's how many math. minutes of songs do I need before I start the show to make sure that I'm backing everything up. That's math. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was always just very scary to me and it never occurred to me to be in a STEM field just because math was not a strong yeah. point for me. So the other question is, do you think that anybody can become stronger in math or strong in math? I think they can become stronger in the application based on what they're wanting to do. Okay, talk about that. Um, for example, as you spoke earlier, time. You know, let's look at athletes. Okay, how many times do you get to get the ball down the field? Normally four. How many yards do you need to go to get the ball down the field? It depends on how many yards you went the first time. Mm-hmm. So all of those are mathematical uh, calculations, but they're mathematical applications. So we can get better in applying math in our world and in our lives. 
if you're a truck driver, you need to get from Texas to Utah. How many days, how many hours will that take you based on the speed limit that you can go on the highway? Mm. So you can get better at the application of math, always. And you can also get better at math, but you're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to use it. You're going to have to apply it. I mean, even if you work at a clothing store and you're doing sales, people are going to always ask you, like, okay, this is 20% off and I have a 5% off coupon. How does that work for me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't calculate it right because, you you know, you ha as an individual you have a set amount of money, and you're thinking, oh, it's going to cost this, but then you forget the 8.25% sales tax. <laughs> which is important. Which is important. <laughs> uh, you know, but, um, you know, what is the application for you? Even as an adult, we get, I get better at it all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I get better by application, not better by, okay, now I need to do this algebraic formula. <laughs> right. Because it's all algebra. Mm -hmm. That is algebra. Mm -hmm. But... The reason why I wanted to ask that is because, you know, we have parents and we're with, as parents we're trying to figure out where are our kids going to go, what are their strengths, what are possible careers that we might want to inform them about. And I want us as parents to know that just because Sally or Greg or Danita is not strong in math does not mean that they can't be a whatever. You know, what you were saying is that they just need to learn and really it's gonna be on the job learning is, I've got to do these things, and so I'm going to need to apply math in these areas. It does not count you out for STEM careers because you're not, you don't feel like you're strong in math. And the other thing is, you know, one of the buzzwords that we're hearing more is of the gro growth mindset. Yes. That people are not necessarily um, wired to be one way. Our brains change, and we can get better at things. And the more we practice, the more we do things, the more we ask questions. Our brains, we're, we're, our brains aren't fixed. Right. Our brains are uh, always growing and learning. And so uh, the more we do these things, the, the better we get at them. So that, that was just what I was trying to, to, um, to express to parents is don't count them out because right. you think that they're not good at math. What are some STEM careers? Like you were at the Home Depot doing technical uh, writing, what are some other STEM careers? Because we, you know, we, when we think about STEM, we think about engineers and architects and financial consultants, computer programmers. What are some STEM careers that are not really considered that we don't think about? A lot of the um, maintenance and mechanical type things. So I have two children. One of them is graduated, very educated in uh, media production, very much in STEM background doing sound and audio and all of that. My other son started college, didn't work out for him because I, that, I think it was that whole 16 week time frame for him. Mm. If it had been like six weeks or five weeks, he would have done better. Mm -hmm. So, but um, he also loves media production, but he is so good on the mechanical side yeah. and uh, makes good money and works real well on doing mechanical maintenance type things. But um, it's not, it's no longer, oh, my, my daughter's a doctor or a physicist or an uh, engineer, but it's also doing sound, uh, production, uh, doing security, 
um, working in hospitals on the plethora of so machines many. that they have there. Uh, working as, I mean, even working as a mechanic because how you look at cars now is no longer start the car and let me hear, hear what I can hear. Mm. It's they connect it to a machine. They sure do. And everything that's out there has to be fixed. I went to the car wash the other day and I'm looking at the fact of everything that they had to clean my car was automated. Mm -hmm. From the vacuum cleaners to taking it through the actual car wash, the only thing that was not mechanized was the people were the people drawing off my car and doing my tires. Mm -hmm. And how long would it be before that? But somebody has to design, develop, and work on those, mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed when I was doing a little research is that not all STEM careers require traditional college. No. Yeah. You can go mm -hmm. to technical school for mm -hmm. a, a lot of these things and mm -hmm. probably make more money than um, if you had gone a, quote, more traditional route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and think about it. I had a young man on my show not long ago who was a food scientist. I mean, well, his degree was in biology. He w who would think of being a food scientist? Where did hot Cheetos come from? <laughs> Hell. <laughs> <laughs> My kids love those things. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> I forget which company it was, but there was a guy who would take all the offcast because people, you know, they used to throw that away. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the um, you know, Cheetos that weren't quite right or whatever. And he would take them home and he would put this chili powder stuff on them and mix them up and bring them back for a snack. And people at the company just fell in love with him. And I think this guy, he probably, knowing, knowing the company, he probably gets, you know, two cents off of every bag that's ever sold, but he's a millionaire now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because every kid loves those hot Cheetos. Yeah, I can't stand them. <laughs> no, I can't either. Okay, we do not have a whole lot more time, but I wanted to do a couple of things because um, we, you and I had a conversation. We had coffee a couple weeks ago, yeah. and you were talking about how um, your desire is for parents to learn how to engage with their kids in STEM activities. Uh, so you talked about places that they can go and toys that they can play with their, with their kids. So I want to talk about some of those things. First of all, what are some, some places in, in you know, we've got listeners from all over the country and all <laughs> over the world, so what are some kinds of places okay. that you recommend that parents go to? Well, I'm going to talk about my books, and that's what they're about. My, I have two books in a series because I was military. Uh, first one's Taylor Stem Adventures Hawaii, and the second one is Taylor Stem Adventures Texas. Mm -hmm. And this, these, this series is about taking a military child through every duty station from a STEM point of view. But as parents, we always say, oh, I want my baby to be in STEM. Okay, as a parent, what are you doing to get your child in STEM? Uh -huh. And so as uh, the, the Hawaii book is about the islands of Hawaii, mm -hmm. but how are, the, how are the, the islands made? So we talk about plate tectonics. And uh, because, you, you know, in a way you don't want your kids to know more than what you know. But this is a concept that they learn in school. But to actually see it or to go to volcanoes, a lot of kids don't know that it actually snows on the Big Island. So really? if you go, yeah, 
if you go up to the observatories at uh, Kilauea, um, you know, you not only find out that these observatories are run by 11 different countries, oh, wow. but it also snows on that island. So you can be swimming on the beach at, in the evening and snow skiing in the mountains in the morning. Oh my gosh. In the winter time. And then Texas is um, pretty much the same. But what I love about the Texas book, uh, growing up, I knew that they had found a dinosaur skull here in the area, mm -hmm. but we never really talked about in school the dinosaurs that are here in Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a lot of dinosaurs here. We have caverns here, mm -hmm. but um, there were uh, two types of very large dinosaurs like down in the Waco, um, Glen Rose area. They were all over, but that's where most of the fossils have been found. And you can actually go and see uh, them at the uh, Mammoth National Park. Mm. And so I talk about that. I talk about the caverns. There are caverns all over the United States. Mm. Uh, here in Texas, uh, you have Natural Bridge. In, uh, in Georgia, you have Ruby Falls. Uh, is it Ruby Falls? I think so. But anyway, um, but what kind of life is under there? Mm -hmm. uh, do they have color? Why do they not have to have color? Because they don't have to camouflage themselves. Mm -hmm. But these are things and places you can take your children to, to uh, get them interested mm -hmm. in, in STEM. Because, I mean, you have bat scientists that um, study the bats that are around the country. And I had one on my show not long ago. I didn't know what the type of territory around the United States they, they encompassed. So uh, just taking your kids out and letting them see a bird or grow a plant. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, are there certain STEM toys that you like? I see you brought some, some, <laughs> some fun things over there. I, oh, this is the wrong box. But this is one of the toys that I really like. Uh, a Kamagachi is just like origami, is a um, robot that you can build. And I brought one with me. I thought I brought that one that I had on the box, but I didn't. This one. Oh, look at that. Yeah. But what I love about this is you can, um, it's not so much programming it but you can operate it to go backwards and forwards and left and right and do different things. But it has blocks to where you can program it to do just linear action. Mm -hmm. So if you want it to go forward and then you want it to go through a maze, that kind of thing, you can do that. Or if you want to calculate the speed of how fast it's going in a particular mode, you can do that. Um, and I mean, I got I'm addicted to these things. And, the, and if you're just listening to us and not watching us, this is a, is that a, a scorpion? This is, this one's a scorpion. Uh -huh. They have Do several, they have, they have several kinds. Okay. And, uh, but I just love these things. And you, you can operate it through your cell phone or your tablet. That's cool. I love that. Uh, I have old cell phones, um, smartphones that, you know, the boys and I don't use anymore. And that's so what as you got to do because otherwise they're going to be grabbing your phone all the time. Exactly. <laughs> as long as you're on Wi-Fi, you make these things work. And I found it so hilarious that uh, my sons are in their 20s and my older son's uh, girlfriend, they will sit and play with these things 
for hours <laughs> and they're all in their 20s uh -huh. and I'm like really and you can you know not only do the little rudimentary program but you can also make them combat each other mm. and my younger son loves shutting mine down <laughs> because I can't get turned quick enough to beam at him but you know it's a lot of concepts that you can teach them with this teach you know show them how to move an object from one place to another before somebody else competition so on and so forth mm -hmm. and what age range would be this age range they say it is let me look on here i think it's eight and up okay but putting this together um it does take a village okay, okay? uh it once you do the first one it doesn't take long mm -hmm. but uh just getting it together and not accidentally tearing it but once you get it together it's very durable mm -hmm. very very durable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can get them at a lot of locations and they're really not expensive mm -hmm. I got yeah how much was that? the first one I got which was this one and like I said I brought the wrong box um, I got it at Big Lots for seven dollars that a shark uh, no it's a beetle Oh, it's a beetle. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got it at Big Lots for $7, and I just, I'm like, I want to see if this thing works, because I buy things just to see if they work. Right. And, well, and I what I can do that with when them. I go to those discount places. I wonder mm -hmm. if they're actually going to be any good. I, lo I love these. Mm -hmm. And I got this um, this one at Tuesday morning. Oh, Tuesday morning is a great But, um, yeah. And you can get them on Amazon, too. Mm -hmm. And this little, and y'all know, my book is still here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where we can find your book after. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Three Ducks Design. Um, some, you have these friends who really don't buy their kids a lot, and they tell them, you make what you want us to have for Christmas. Okay. And this was a doctor friend of mine. She uh, bought this, um, a 3D printer, mm -hmm. because she also does furniture stuff. And she wanted... Um, her kids wanted to d do something with it. And this is how her daughter is now paying her way through college. Oh, okay. This is a little container of multicolored um, little, little pieces. Like crosses. Mm -hmm. Well, they are in different shapes. Oh, they're in different shapes, okay. And you use these because as teachers, you know we're constantly putting cardboard together with tape. We can go through a lot of tape. Well, instead of using tape, you use these to put the cardboard together and you can build a variety of things with these and so I made when she was on the show I made sure she sent me um, a set and what's that called uh, three ducks design connector set. connector set okay. mm -hmm. and it says it's for ages three plus because mm -hmm. it's definitely a choking hazard <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah but they're all different uh different shapes you have like the little star you have the little straight one and they have all all been tested because i asked i said did you go through product testing for choking hazard and stuff yeah. like that for kids she said yeah she said that was the most expensive thing for her mm -hmm. to do uh and because you know Everybody can design something, but you have to have it tested mm -hmm. for the right age groups so that kids don't get right. don't get hurt. Speaking of age groups, um, you you work with toddlers, 
I volunteer with toddlers here in the Arlington area. Yes, I do. So how early can you start working with your kids and inspiring them in STEM? And what kind of things do you do with the, these young minds? Well, I always work with adults and um, kids over the age of 12. And when I quote unquote retired, which we're finding out that's not going to last. <laughs> um, I have a friend who teaches the all-day K-4 class, and I said, I'm bored sitting at home. Uh, can I come and play with your four-year-olds? And she said, yes. So this is my second year working with them. And I revamped some of my high school science labs to do with, to do with them. For example, um, using dry ice to do sublimation by making bubbles. And they think that that is like the coolest thing. I bet. Um, doing, uh, we've done um, uh, ink chromatography and it's just taking um, a Sharpie of different colors and just using water and a paper towel or a coffee filter mm -hmm. and watching the, um, watching the ink separate from the, uh, the the different colors and I do that when I do color mixing. Mm -hmm. I do a milk lab which is a uh, surface tension lab that I used to do in chemistry and have the kids um, you put uh, food coloring in milk and then you take a q-tip with um, liquid soap on it and when you put it in the milk it disperses Oh, how cool! and then it also that also works with uh, color mixing uh -huh. and the kids just love it mm -hmm. and y you know you do that but you also teach them vocabulary yes like surface tension like sublima sublimation when we talk about um, uh, the water cycle you can talk about the water cycle with four-year-olds mm -hmm. why does it rain mm -hmm. and you can talk about precipitation condensation uh, evaporation and what happens I just did a uh, snow lab um, just before Thanksgiving with them and you know what makes a snowflake and we made instant snow and they had a blast but how does it actually work how are snowflakes actually made and why do they look so differently mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because every snowflake is not the same mm -hmm. so one quick question before we leave, because not everybody's going to want to do sublimation <laughs> and experiments and things like that at home. I'm, I'm a normal mom. <laughs> so what are some of the things I can do just in my kids' everyday life mm -hmm. to help inspire st STEM interest? Um, you can have them grow something, grow plants uh, at home. Um, you know, we all eat beans and peas and we do them from dry seeds. Uh, have them grow radishes because radishes grow really quickly okay. and let's say have them take the tall radishes and um, and um, pollinate only tall radishes to see if you only get tall plants mm. or uh, take them outside in the summertime and look at the stars because a big thing about teaching in school is learning about the phases of the moon. Uh, so why does the moon look different, you know, every few days? Mm. So what are the phases of the moon? These are things you can do at home. Mm -hmm. Or when you're cooking, 
you know, um, I have a thing that I do with uh, my high schoolers about making noodles. What makes noodles taste better? You know, if you do them in the microwave, if you do them on top of the stove, if you oh, use the yeah. flavor packet, if you don't use the flavor packet. Um, uh, I have kids that love to bake. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what can you do to make your cupcakes or cakes taste better? Because cooking is, has become a very big uh, science, especially with molecu molecular gastronomy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And just with cooking, I saw something where um, there was a dad and, a, and his daughter, I think, were trying to figure out how to make cookies soft, how to make them crispy, how to make them darker, how to, and it was just different ingredients that they were using, and that's just all mm -hmm. science. It's all science. It's all science. The other thing is, um, I'm encouraging my kids in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of math and negotiating and pricing. All three of my kids have their own business. Mm -hmm. And that's just something easy to do. Kids are cute and people like to buy from kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's just an easy thing. And then um, we just found like my son um, makes the most beautiful Christmas wreaths. He's, a, he's 11 and I had no idea he had an eye for it until I decided to make one for our home. Right, and he was like, "Well, let me do it." And I thought, oh, "Okay, I don't know how that's going to turn out." And it turned out beautiful. And I posted it on Facebook, and I was just thinking, "Yeah, I'm so proud of my son. Look at what he did." And he got so many orders; he had a waiting list. And this is year wow. two of him doing. He calls himself the Reef Master, <laughs> but he's got his own little business. And my daughter paints rocks and sells those and things like that. But I have to teach them. Yeah. Okay, like Chrissy, this is a bigger rock. And you spend a lot of time on this. So this isn't a five cent rock. This is more like a dollar rock and things yes. like that. And negotiating when people don't, you know, sometimes the kids don't have enough money. So it's like, okay, well, I'll let you have two of these or something like that. So mm -hmm. um, there's just all sorts of things that we can do with our kids to help yeah. encourage them along the way. It is. It mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And to teach them entrepreneurship because you're, we're having younger and younger entrepreneurs yeah. every day. But yet and still, we got to teach them how to teach them that math of balancing their money. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's why I say math application, not math just math. Application. That's why people get better. Yes, we actually have a show uh, on the 31st of this month that's going to be kid entrepreneurs. I love it. Two young ladies that are really doing it and they have their own businesses and uh, uh, they're pretty amazing. So. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just wanted to thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah. Tell us when we can find, when and how we can find um, All About STEM Radio. All About STEM Radio is every Wednesday from 6 o'clock six to 7 o'clock on Fishbowl Radio Network or FBRN.us um, on the Blue Stream. I've done it for three years, but I have a big surprise for my audience that I'm not going to tell them about yet because y'all know I love to travel. <laughs> so be surprised for All About STEM Radio. The All About STEM Radio show is going to be broadcasting for the next year. Uh -huh. So 2020 is going to be really big. <gasps> She's giving us a hint. Really big for All About STEM Radio. And uh, I am so excited for that. So, but I will still be on uh, from six to seven on FBRN.us on the Blue Stream, and I'm going to have I've already I already have guests set up through February, 
and these are some some young people that are really uh, involved in STEM, some young engineers. Uh, I have a uh, great guy from a music label that's going to be on. So, you know, you know, look for me. I intend to have another great time. All right. Well, we will have ri uh, the links to uh, your website and um, how to find your show, you. as well as how to find your book mm -hmm. um, on our website on schooldaysshow.com so that people can find you yeah. and learn more about STEM and yeah. just get more information. So anyway, thanks so much for being on our show. Thanks you are also so welcome. to Gregory Connolly for being on the show. You guys were really great. Okay. So School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation, so we always want to let you guys know what's going on with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by providing educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of a commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. So if you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin, and you can do so by heading to our website, schooldazedshow.com. And also, did you know that every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we have a Facebook watch party of our episode from the day. So if you weren't able to catch us live or you missed any part of the show, join the party, and we always have a lot of fun. And most of the time, our guests from the show are able to jump on with us and answer some more questions. And we usually get a really great dialogue going with our viewers, and you get to hear a little bit about the behind-the-scenes moments from the show, and we talk a little bit about that. So find us live on our Facebook page, Noggin Educational Foundation, that's N-O-G-G-I-N, Educational Foundation, at 8.30 tonight. And invite your friends. Next week, we'll sit down with Brenda Williams, whose career was centered on a corporate talent acquisition, recruitment, and leadership development for both adults and students. She'll share with us what companies are looking for in candidates and how we can help our kids become career ready. So don't forget to share that with your parent friends. Also, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to say and end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, feel free to email me at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.